Eager to learn about what I've missed this week, welcome to Hand of Pod. to the 220th episode of the internet's finest English language Argentine football podcast. My name is Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Bumper Cast consisting of Fede. Great to be here. Andres. Hello. And a rare addition to our uh, panel this week, Remy. Buenas noches. Welcome back, Remy. Um, the reason that I'm eager to learn what I've missed is because myself and Remy we're away in Rosario uh, this weekend, and as a result, we only managed to see one match of the round of games that has just gone. Uh, we were at Newell's Old Boys versus Aldo Civi. But, at the beginning of the show, all the same, I will now read out the scores that I've missed, just as soon as my browser lets me select the right tab. Um, this is what we missed while we were away, mostly. Atletico Tucumán 2, Huracán 1 on Friday night, as well as Tempele 1, Estudiantes de la Plata 3, and Olimpo 1, Rosario Central 1 in uh, Bahia Blanca. On Saturday, the matches went Racing 3, Tigre 3, Boca Juniors 3, Atletico de Rafaela 0, Banfield 1, Colón 1, Patronato de Parana, Parana, sorry, it's an A, no, no. Uh, 2, River Plate 1, Newell's Old Boys 1, Aldo CB 1, San Lorenzo 3, Belgrano de Cordoba 2, San Martin de San Juan 2, Argentinos Juniors 0, uh, we're now on to Sunday by the way, Defensa Justicia 0, Arsenal de Sarandí 1, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Godoy Cruz 4, Sarmiento 0, Independiente 0, there's always one game that lets down the goal average isn't there? Union nil, Lanús 4 on Monday evening, and Gimnasia y Grima La Plata 1, Quilmes nil. What else did we miss, gents? Or rather, uh, this is more directed at Fede and Andres than anything, because you've, almost by default you would have seen more Argentine football than me and Remy this weekend. Um, so, what were the main talking points from the weekend? Well, there is the Panama Papers. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's messy there, so you were Rosario and, and, and the Jinkies as well. Uh, yes. and, and Bursaco as well, moving uh, 300 million yes. for the Copa Libertadores rights. But you were Rosario, where the city where Messi born, was born, and he was also implicated in this. Uh, but yeah, we, we won't talk about that. His dad is certainly implicated in it. We, um, Anyway, listening, listening between the lines with a few of the people Remy yes. and I talked to over the weekend, we learned some things about Lionel Messi's dad, which are, were interesting but and the, but quite the, possibly unpublishable. But, <laughs> but both of them will have to go to the, you know, it's a court or something uh, with the Hacienda Española, the the, well, the, like the AFIP in Argentina, which is the taxes office. The tax office, yeah. Uh, to to see what how many money will have will they will have to pay because it's. Up to now, for one million, four point one million euros, right. and then, well, this they find they found that they, they, with the Panama Papers, is there is anything else? We will have to see what 
how many how much money will be that but uh, according to football specifically it's uh, Sarmiento in the beginning they nil nil but Racing Tigre 3-3 again again a, a big amount of goals in a Racing match yeah because they can attack very well and can't defend at all once again um, only 43 goals this weekend though so we're, only. we've had a bit of a dip but that's still almost three per game um, that's much higher yeah, matches. than previous tournaments it is much higher um, it's remarkable uh, the main, I guess, looking very quickly at the results, um, things that I can draw out of this are that in Group 1, Rosario Central have dropped some points because they drew 1-1 uh, yes. away to Olimpo. Sorry, yes, indeed. Sorry, yeah, in Group 1. Uh, and as a result, they're now off the top of Group 1 because Godoy Cruz uh, thrashed Vélez on Monday, I said, didn't I? 4-1. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that Godoy Cruz are now two points clear at the top of Group 1. Godoy Cruz and Lanús both are... That's unexpected, yeah? yeah. I think Godoy Cruz and Lanús are clearly, right now, the ones that are firm candidates to to play the final uh, uh, to, to determine the, the champion of the, of the, of the tournament. <laughs> because of their, their consistent <coughs> results and, and, and difference in goals between... Uh, of course, Vélez wasn't... Uh, precisely Barcelona, but for uh, one in in, the, in, in uh, away condition, yeah, and uh, against a team who had markedly improved, as we were saying just a couple of weeks ago yeah. from last from last year, but it's shaping up to be quite a strange uh, championship, I'd say. I mean, I remember the preview we were here with Andres and uh, and Fran, I think. We mentioned that outside of the five grandes, we could maybe see some trial, but those were maybe the six teams that would uh, fight for the title and only Central is in, in that fight at, at the moment. Mm. Maybe Independiente is a bit not that far, but then most of the of the big clubs are, are not doing so well. And we specifically said that Lanús were going to be one of the triumvirate who were going to struggle yeah. to improve on last year. Estudiantes as well, because they had some, so many but sanctions. Out, uh, out of the five grandes, like you say, and guys you you could put him put them in into the sixth grande or mm-hmm. so uh, they are the only one that could uh, fight for the title in the uh, torneo in the tournament and the Copa Libertadores because tonight they will face Palmeiras and if they win uh, they will get their ticket to the round of sixteen yeah but I mean central play tonight yes or tomorrow tonight or tomorrow but this week and. No, you might be right. I'd completely. It's Wednesday, isn't it? Yes, of course it's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Well, they did play tonight. I completely forgot about that. I thought the River game was the only match tonight. But yep, you're quite right. After the River match, they will play against Palmeiras. Well, yeah. So they, they are the only ones, I think, that they are both in the fight for yes for all tournaments. Yeah, yeah the only ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it. It again, it's a very short championship, so. I, I mean, Lanús and Godoy Cruz are already halfway there, and as they are not playing the, the Libertadores, yeah, they should be able to to keep up with this. Should shouldn't they? I mean, well, Roman Martinez said so. the other day that they, he will he would like to feel the taste of being champion, champions. Mm. So they are with the football and the eagerness to. Roman Martinez was part of the Tigre team that. Came very, very close with the triangular against yeah, Boca yeah, and San Lorenzo, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, wasn't, I, I was 
couldn't remember whether whether he was there just before or just after that one or at that time. Um, the other, I mean, the, the results that really stand out to me, obviously, as, as somebody who didn't see any of these games, uh, Racing Tigre looks like it must have been some fun. With there was a blooper by Zachary. Short uh, space in between Racing's first goal and Tigre's equaliser. Saha with another howler. Yes, a terrible blooper against Federico González was. Uh, yep. Uh, that, uh, at that point, the, the, the match was 1-1, mm-hmm. so they got the, the, the advantage, part, uh, not the definite advantage, but at that moment it was. Uh, and so it did permit uh, another, it was not a defense defensive mistake, it was only his, his mistake, of course, to fall on, uh, on him, like, for example, Independiente fans did with Ruth Rodriguez, wouldn't be fair, but it was not a massive defensive mistake, only... Uh, 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 something he wanted to wanted to dribble uh, Tigre striker and he didn't didn't, didn't get it ok again one more to file into my little uh, compendium of, of things that Saha's doing this year which suggests he's forgotten how to be a goalkeeper though potentially when I look it up later <laughs> um, we have talked at some length this year about the, the troubles that both the Riva and Boca um, are having indeed I've written an article for The Bubble on it today, which unfortunately I don't think is yet up on The Bubble website because they're having some major server problems. Um, but it's about why River and Boca are, uh, are both struggling. Uh, and of course I haven't seen a single second of any of their matches um, from the weekend. Just got. I think actually that I saw one of the goals from the Boca game repeated on Fox Sports earlier, and I saw Rodrigo Mora's goal for River in that mm-hmm. defeat away to uh, Patronato. Um, but apart from that, I've not seen any of, of them at all. So let's start with uh, Boca, Ferdo, because we didn't have you here last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were sort of talking last week about how Daniel Osvaldo came back to Boca and promised he was going to be better behaved, he was going to be quieter on social media, and he's kept those promises. He, he's, he's, you know, been, considering he's Daniel Osvaldo, he's, he's been remarkably well controlled. Um, and so I almost, for the first time in his career, really, find myself feeling slightly sorry for him at the moment because <laughs> he couldn't really help breaking his toe. Well, that's not his fault. Um, but it is causing Boca something of a, a sort of nuisance, isn't it? Because the one thing that Boca really missing, I guess you could almost cope with the other injuries and suspensions that you're getting if it weren't for the fact that you've got no other reference point in, in the middle of the, set, of the penalty box, really. Yeah, I mean... I agree with, with most of what you said. Yeah, you just want three 0 So on on the face of it, especially to new listeners who, are, who whose first experience of Argentine football is coming this week, it might sound like a bit of a weird thing to say. But as we said in the lift when you were coming up, mm-hmm. beating Atlético de Rafaela three 0 at home is is not really anything to get excited about. So. Yeah, I mean it was not not that. I mean a three 0 score is is unappealable, I'd say. But uh, Boca didn't play that that. That well, I mean, uh, the first the first half was was not good at all, but still we were two 0 up in the at halftime. So, uh, I mean, I, I think they just did what 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 was needed and what was enough to win. And Rafaela's defense was was awful mostly. Uh, would it suffer a bit? They had a few chances. Orion had a very good save, but uh, maybe 10, 15 After minutes. After he first, it was first a mistake. Then a mistake by him in the corner. Then the play continued and he. He he did a bit. He had a very good save. Then he saved a penalty as well, so he had a good game. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rafael Rabish. We, we've been discussing this all. all but it wasn't Orion mm-hmm. the one who saved that penalty. Yeah, it was Almoreda. Yeah, I had to agree with you there. 
But I mean, uh, he had a good game, and but Rafael was rubbish. Um, but it wasn't rubbish. Sorry, uh, he's the Boca columnist, but uh, uh, it wasn't so rubbish until the the, the, the the terrible mistake from I think it was Colombo, the, the, the player mm-hmm. of Rafaela, mm-hmm. that uh, tried to 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 clear the the, the from a direct ball, I think. And well, he left uh, that ball to to Perez, mm-hmm. Paulo Perez, with open an open defense. Uh, the pass from Perez was very good pass, and then a fantastic finish from Tevez. Until that, it was a very good Rafaela, and after that, it was the the, the way you said uh, rubbish. Yeah, I mean, but I think yeah, it, it was expected that he would make a mistake of that. The third goal also was like amateur defense. I mean, a, a ridiculous pass from from Caris, I think. And Ladeiro pushes it in from from inside uh, the small penalty box. So, uh, I mean, it, it was a, a, an okay game from Boca. I mean, they didn't. I mean, they didn't play spectacularly, not even close to that. But they didn't need to. So uh, there was some improvements. I started. I'm, I'm starting to see the 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 Charmo effect. Mostly, I think it was the first game we played with two clear wingers that were Pagón and Carrizo. And it's uh, also, of course, this this came. Uh, 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 sorry to interrupt, but as, oh, sure. as we said last week, um, not not coincidentally, I suspect, right after he's had two solid weeks to work exactly. with because of the international break and, and no Libertadores or league games. But was it a real footballistic change or more anemic with the new coach and that? I think it's a bit of a bit of both. I mean, uh, I can see some tactical changes. I mean, we are playing a very clear four three three with two open wingers. And uh, the pressure up high is is quite noticeable, um, but then again, I mean it, it's not a night and day. I mean it's mostly the same play. I mean it's exactly the same players Arona uh, uh, had, and most of the names that are are, are featuring in the starting eleven are, are the same. So it's not that big a change. I can see maybe an, a change in attitude, as you mentioned, or a need to motivational change. Uh, some minor uh, tactical adjustments like playing with two very fine wingers and pressing up high and, but and playing against Rafaela of course it's obviously helps, because obviously helps Rafaela yeah. had the, the debut of Chacho Liop Juan Manuel Liop uh, in the uh, bench because Murchal uh, uh, had been fired mm-hmm. with some problems even in the, in the in the club not only in the team uh, with some accusations from from, from Murchal to the board and uh, they continued being being grabbed and in the Bombonera of course Boca recently had hadn't been very very good even in the bomb, in the in the, the Aram stadium but in this case with a high a slightly improvement from them and Rafaela being the same bullshit they were uh, meant the the, the, the the match will be easily won by by, by Boca of course and Andres uh, Remy and I as Long-term listeners are fully aware, uh, our fellow River sympathisers, and both of us missed the match this weekend. So, how did River do in parallel? Well, uh, the same that I must say. Uh, what, what was the team like that got put out? By the way, because of course last week there was the uh, gastroenteritis. Uh, well, there was a big, a big change there, starting with the goal goalkeeper, as uh, incredibly Marcelo Barovero came back from Uruguay. They had to play, as you know. Against Peñarol. Oh, they played the friendly for the inauguration of Peñarol's new ground, yeah. Yes, uh, and uh, at, at the best, 
uh, arriving to the 10th minute, uh, Barbera had to leave the, 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 that match because of a knock in there. I think it was in the uh, well, Columna. And, mm. and uh, uh, well, he couldn't get back to, to the Patronato game, so the one who started uh, being the goalkeeper was uh, Agustin Batalla. The promise that River had been well uh, talking with Real Madrid to turn to uh, sign him. Finally, he he stayed, and he had his debut, official official debut, and he couldn't do anything. Perhaps the second goal, River lost to one, of course. Uh, that was a, a shot from a short distance that that he like uh, f- at first uh, looked like he could save, and finally he couldn't. Uh, meant that River lost uh, that match, uh, being the same, having, having the same defensive and offensive problems they had been uh, accusing. Um, I mean, uh, everything started with the stroke of bad luck. Mm. We can't blame, of course, uh, to the luck for everything that happens to River, but after that match that uh, we mentioned, Espanyarol, Barbero wasn't the only one that uh, came from Uruguay with problems because nine players were had a, a gastroenterocolitis. I think you mentioned that. Mm. But uh, the the players couldn't. Uh, some of them couldn't get back, couldn't recover. But it there was a, a notorious uh, physical uh, lack of form there. Like they weren't one hundred percent, and uh, then. Because of the rain, they couldn't uh, get to Patrona, to Paraná, sorry, to play Patronato the night before, and they could, they had to travel the same, very same day with six or five five hours uh, to go to the match. Uh, that everything everything started started there. Then there was a match in which Patronato, with being on just tidy tidy team, uh, uh, they managed to 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 underwhelm River with. Well, they had a, a, a basically the same problems they had been uh, showing. Uh, poor defending, uh, 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 with uh, ridiculous mistakes, and uh, not a very strong attack. Only with D'Alessandro having uh, some interesting corner kick uh, executions, with uh, one finishing goal from from Mora. Then Bangioni had a, a very close. Opportunity the same way with uh, uh, with Alessandro shooting the ball to the first uh, post, mm-hmm. and uh, but after that it was the same same situation with Bar- with Gallardo admitting that the River playing like this will be very difficult for River, uh, which is good for him because he knows that the thing is isn't good, but uh, he can still find the the way the way out. I can say. It's my opinion that it's strange how River isn't uh, uh, getting youngsters or kids. It's the same players all the time when they, uh, they it's like the, the 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 starters and then the the substitute the ones who replace the the the, the players that that start playing but not new players, so. the new youngsters or kids and. and I mean, I'm guessing you'll support as well, Don Romy as well. But uh, do you agree that you are kind of struggling? Or River is, is kind of sound lately. I mean, not 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 getting the results you should be getting. 
Yeah, obviously. I mean, if we look at the, the, the table right now, I mean, mm -hmm. what is River still playing for? I think the, 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 the most important match, at least in the National League, is in, is in two and a half weeks. I mean, that that has to be one for River to have, sure. to at least to be able to, to finalize the tournament and to be a little bit satisfied because classifying for the Libertadores is going to be, well... <laughs> Virtually impossible. It's going to be very, very hard, no? Mm -hmm. The Libertadores qualification for next year is going to be the team who win the championship and the team who lose in the championship final. Um, and I think that the two teams who finish second in their groups will play each other in a playoff for a third Libertadores spot. And then you've got the Copa Argentina. If it's played... It's going to be played. They've just announced a new TV deal. That there are no doubts oh, okay, that sure. it's being played this year, at least. I would, uh, okay. Beyond this year, about it, it's yeah. increasingly up in the air, that's true. But uh, no, it was. Uh, they, they just signed a new oh, television deal about two that, weeks yeah. ago to essentially confirm that it will be taking place. Um, so that's four spots. And the best Argentine side in the Sudamericana, I would presume, is going to continue being the, the fifth. And then, of course, if an Argentine club win... Uh, the Libertadores then they get an automatic qualification which doesn't affect the number of sides that qualify domestically from Argentina but it's quite right Rami that it's probably fair to say that both River and Boca at most one of those teams is, is, is going to be in next year's Libertadores if either of them manage to be yeah, I mean, um, and that's the only thing that River still has going for them is that they're still in the Libertadores. Actually, they're playing uh, not too long from from now. Which is the next thing I was going to say, because in a way, both River and Boca have got more important matches coming up in this midweek. One of which uh, is kicking off in fifty minutes time um, as River play. Funnily enough, both at home to Bolivian sides. River against the strongest tonight, and if River win, then they will go to eight points in Group One and will leapfrog the strongest into first. Um, Last night in that group, San Paulo, who have been struggling somewhat so far in the group, uh, beat Trujillanos 6-0 at home, with Jonathan Caleri scoring four goals, which really rubs in what a lack of a presence in the area Boca are suffering from at the moment, um, to temporarily, we hope, go, go above River in second place. Um, but the strongest have seven points, and River, as we say, with the, if, if they win tonight, which is not necessarily a given, given that the strongest pulled out a win against San Paolo in the opening round of this group, remember, in San Paolo. Um, but if River do win, then, then they would go top of the group by a point. And likewise, if Boca win, um, and this really feels slightly surprising to say, given the start to the group that Boca had, but if they beat Bolivar um, at home, then depending on the result of the Racing match, which I think is also on Thursday evening, isn't it? Um, then, then Boca could go top of group. Is it group four? Group four. Sure. Um, yeah, only three points after like, the, after three games though, probably. Yeah, so far. So, but anyway, perhaps is it me? But uh, media and of course the, the the commentators and the supporters are are uh, worried about the Copa Libertadores 2017. But we are playing now 2016 Copa Libertadores. It's of course. You have to win it to, to get an, an automatic uh, ticket to the, to the to the next one. If you want it, it's okay. You you will play. It. Yeah. But uh, uh, at least the way pl is playing the, the the way River is playing, they can dream on, on, on winning any competition. It's clear. Uh, it's no no. What what's missing for River? I mean, because it's mostly I mean the same core that that won the the, the Copa last year. But they've, they've lost some key players. They, they've they, lost they did. Carlos Sanchez, of course. Carlos, 
too late for Cranavita. them to, to really be able Diego to Tierras, I mean. Cranavita, they had a bit more time to think about but Teo Gutierrez had gone before the Libertadores Teo went in January yeah, and, all. Um, and they've lost well yeah, sorry, Philip Mori is the name I was, I was scrambling about for. Thank you, Andres. They lost Philip Mori, and then they almost sold Mamana right on the eve of the season, uh, as I've already mentioned a couple of times this year, which would have left them with two centre-backs, both of whom have suffered injuries and suspensions so far this year, Eder Alvarez Balanta and Jonathan Maidana. So in a way, it's a very good thing for River that Fiorentina did mess about with the transfer fee they were going to pay, because otherwise River would be having to play even more improvised I think that's back lines than they've had to. That's the main problem in which you say the uh, last year it was they had to sell Pesela because he had have room in the team mm. and now uh, Rivers uh, has no centre-backs in conditions to play uh, two or three consecutive matches because when Valanda is, is back we have mentioned that uh, he he gets another, another injury uh, then Mamana is good but still not uh, like but is that the only problem we have? I mean, it's because as well as that, you also—I don't think we were talking in our preview episode about how we thought River had signed well and intelligently, and I think that D'Alessandro and Alonso, both of whom are, if we take away the fact that obviously D'Alessandro is a returning hero in inverted commas, but leave that out, and they're essentially both fairly old players mm-hmm. um, who were seen as. I don't know, wily old operators who were still operating at a high level and, and could add something. And they've both turned out to be, let's say, less... Yeah, role players, maybe. Alonso's been perfectly okay. D'Alessandro's been decent. Neither of them have had the impacts that, say, Lucas Alario had six months ago, who's mm-hmm. 23, 24 years old and is now apparently wanted by Liverpool. Um, so they, they sort of... On the one hand, you can't really blame the Libertadores winners whoever the Libertadores winners are in any given year for losing significant players to European or Mexican clubs because that's that's what happens. That's that's how the economy of world football works for South American clubs. Um, but on the other, I don't think that they did the best job that they could have done. So, because as well, they had this... I can't remember who now, but they had to centre-back lined up in case they'd sold Mamana to Fiorentina. But as I say, even keeping Mamana only left them with three centre-backs in the first-team squad anyway. So why didn't they sign the guy... Anyway, in any case, well, at least make efforts to replace. But is that the only? I mean, what does River need? Maybe in June to to contend again? Is it a new manager? Is it getting one centre back and a striker? What, what do you think is is missing right now? Because I've not seen a great level from the from the. I mean, the, the core of the star players from River either. I mean, no, that's the thing. Because uh, I mean, I think that the, first of all, the, the chopping and changing in, in defence has obviously caused. If you don't have a stable backline, then you can't build forward from that. So that makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. For me, I agree with that. Um, but obviously, if you replace Matias Cranavita with Nicolas Dominguez, Domingo, Domingo, sorry, Domingo's not a bad player, but he's not Cranavita. Oh, um, and so on. And I think the only signing really that River made over the summer, um, who's actually turned out to be a, as, as good as hoped for and as good Nacho as expected, Fernandez. was Nacho Fernandez. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. It's strange the case of Domingo because when you see him uh, go go into attack, he's well, he's good. He's uh, uh, pushing the, the the team forward, but when he has to mark and, and to quit balls and distribute it, it's like a big deficit. It's not a. Uh, it's like uh, rivals pass through the midfield with no problems, and he's there to mark and and he's not showing that skill, perhaps shown at Banfield. Now it's like he's good with the ball in his feet, going forward, and that's I think the only good thing I see from him even though that 
people is perhaps uh, saying that he he's he's showing good performances, uh, and that's I think of also a key uh, thing to to explain why River now is in is falling so heavily, which is that Pitti Martinez, Bertolo, Casco, Machada, players that had to now have a, have a, a, a main main starring aren't aren't uh, doing that well yeah well what what I find at least if watching River match of course not last week couldn't see it but there is at least in my impression uh, not such a strong will to win at any cost I mean you look at the team playing and you think yeah okay they, they might be doing their best but there is not this I mean like this, this drive like okay let's do this let's really go for it I mean you see someone more in the cup matches, uh, of yeah. course, um, mm-hmm. but but I, f- I find that a little bit lacking. More like uh, so, okay, we we can draw this match, or we we can lose this match. And what I find actually quite interesting is that there is relatively, at least for Argentines, there's fire. a little pressure yes. on River as well. I mean, mm. not just only from the fans, but also in the media. It's like okay, now River's not doing that well, but okay, there are these circumstances, so we shouldn't be so. Uh, yeah. we, we shouldn't be that demanding and that's just quite unusual for Argentine standards it is unusual and I think it's it's counterproductive for River I mean if they maybe if they felt the pressure a little bit more and they were criticized a little more uh, harshly after after lose to Patronato I mean uh, maybe that could be a wake up call but um, and I think maybe the, the, the one who's been most critic about uh, about the, the current level is Gajardo himself so well another thing to add to the the things that we could put into bad luck uh, side is the penalty that Vigliano uh, was the, the the referee now I, I forgot uh, awarded to, to Patronato. There was no no foul, no hand, and and nobody knows what he uh, gave to. to what okay, but a draw at Patronato still is not yes. like a sufficient result for, for for. I mean, the last time River won a league match, I think that's Fecha five. From, uh, with this, I think six matches that the River could win, couldn't get a win. Uh, yes, of course, it's not. Uh, oh, but but the referee awarded a, a polemic penalty. It's not to say that that's mm-hmm. why River lost. Even Gallardo, as I said, mm-hmm. uh, it's obviously, uh, as you say, it's, it's, it's another thing to add to the, the things that happens mm-hmm. to River. That I still uh, think I, I I've thought this for some time and said it very occasionally that if a club particularly any of the big five, um, but especially if it's River or Boca and you find yourself saying, you know, oh, that penalty shot. When, when one of those clubs starts uh, of course, sort yeah. of protesting that the referee could have been a bit fairer to them, over the whole course of Argentine football history, um, I don't think there's much of an excuse for it. No, not at all. But let's try and move on from River and Boca, because it is fascinating, but there are 28 other clubs in the Primera as well. Good grief. Still feels wrong saying that. Some um, of them are interesting as well. Indeed. The rest of the big five, let's whip through fairly quickly because we did only want to have a shortish episode this week anyway. Uh, San Lorenzo Belgrano. We caught the last 10 minutes of that in a cafe somewhere where we have to interviewing somebody. Um, oh no, after the Newell's match, of course it was. Um, how did that go? 3 2 to San Lorenzo? It looks like it should have been entertaining. Was it? Can you tell us anything, uh, Andres, please? Not at all. I mean, it was a 3 2 win to San Lorenzo. Yeah. What? <laughs> They, they they turn around the the the, the score Did that they? is that is from Gede I think it's a oh, good I'm really two nil down yeah. yeah 
Okay, yeah, good, good, that, good for for Gerard. So. Yes, he was like uh, with the rope. Uh, in the, in the neck, rope, yeah. Yes, uh, uh, but he said he's a normal coach, and uh, he could have the, the easiest uh, thing for him would have been to say at Chile where he was the the puto amo. Yeah, well, he was in Palestine. I mean, it wasn't the, that big a spotlight. Anyway. That's why he's, he was the king of. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was a good step for his career, and he he's, he he hasn't had that much success so far, other than the the four nil win against Boca in the Supercopa. But uh, yeah, I mean he he's still uh, fighting for his job. I'd say. I mean the Libertad, how he how he fares in the Libertadores will will mark yes. that. Yeah. Yes, the 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 uh, pity for San Lorenzo is that uh, they are seven points away from Guadalupe Cruz, I think. So they are not so far away, but they 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 won't be easy for them to to, to reach the, the the leadership, and they are almost down uh, out, uh, out of the of the Copa. Uh, last last result when they lost against or they drew against uh, with uh, with Gremio was I think the the point in which they said well uh, they could recover from from um, the the I think Liga de Quito result. The Chunil, so mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's only four months for him in his job, so you you can't be too hard on him. But this is Argentina, so you can be too hard on him. And four months is a long time in Argentina. Yeah, it's it's longer than the most uh, that many others have had. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I did like him in in, in Palestina. This the the very few games I uh, I saw. Uh, he he's. He's had trouble adapting his style to to San Lorenzo, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I have some faith in him, and I think the San Lorenzo leadership, uh, that being Tinelli and Lamens, are, are very intelligent, very smart, and and do do not maybe give up to this pressure. So yeah, I think with time he he can build a solid team maybe. So and what do we make of if anything? of uh, Independiente's draw with Sarmiento. Independiente kept a clean sheet. That's one thing that springs out to Yeah, and Caruso Lombardi starts to win some points. Of course he does. It's Caruso. It's Caruso. So now he's played three and got two draws and a defeat, but considering that those are against Godoy Cruz Central, where they lost 1-0, uh, and Independiente, no, no, one goal conceded, yeah. none scored yet. But, you know, it's a Caruso Lombardi, so it's that's what we're expecting. Exactly. Um, Sarmiento remained bottom of Group 1, but now have a win, which they already have beforehand, remember. Um, a three draws and five defeats, which is a better record, I think it's fair to say, than we would have expected from them had they not changed managers ahead of those three very, very difficult fixtures. Um, and their next fixtures for Sarmiento are, because we know that a lot of our listeners are fascinated by Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. He is everybody's favourite raging arsehole. Um, their next fixtures are... Away to River this weekend, which is, I suspect, not a match a lot of River fans are going to be looking forward to that much. And then at home to Colón, away to Tigre, away to Banfield, at home to Patronato, at home to Tigre, um, and away to Olimpo. Yeah, so a bit easier. We shall see. The second half of the, of the season, fixture wise for Samiento, does look easier than the first was. Uh, they're going to need it to be so, though, because if I'm not mistaken, they are yeah, they're currently bottom of. 
the relegation table. And of course, there is only one team going down at the end of this season. Tied with so. Argentinos, who are awful as well. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, you're quite right. They've both got 36 points from 39 matches. Um, Argentinos this weekend just gone. Lost again. Unsurprisingly, 2-0 away to San Martín. In fairness, that's you know a fairly standard result that I would have expected. Really, San Martín have, have got a pretty decent home record. I'm, I'm not good with the dates, but I think uh, following Caruso Lombardi, the, the subject, uh, the last time he got he went to the River Stadium, they lost 5-0 with Quilmes, with when River went the, were the champions with Ramón Díaz. That. Because then he was managing in the second division, wasn't it? After that, yeah, Tristan Suarez, or, or the third division, in fact, he dropped out. Yeah. Tristan Suarez, Tristan Suarez. that's yeah. the Metropolitana, yeah, but I, I'm not sure that was the following yeah. Yeah. the Kilmes as well. Mm. Um, brilliant. Are there any others that we have to cover? Uh, Lanus uh, beating 4 0 uh, away. That's uh, oh, yes, Sonia. yeah, you're quite right. Yeah. A hat trick yeah. from Sand in the, in the first half as well. So yeah. Sand and Bordagaray, it's incredible. Well, now Bordagaray has calmed a bit down, but yeah. uh, he started like, come on, and, uh, scoring and scoring and scoring. Now it's Sand, the one. It's Which means, yeah, that Jose Sand leapfrogs Fabian Bordagaray into the goleador position. He's got 10 goals, Bordagaray's got 8. In nine games, that's wow, Messi like. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Ramon yeah. Avila has, has got 7. Um, well, and yesterday Ramon Avila was. He was very good for Huracan last yes. night, wasn't he? And you you, you sometimes laughed up, uh, on him because he was... He's, he's tremendously... Uh, I, I, I laugh at him mostly because people call him Wanchope and he doesn't look like Wanchope, even though, allegedly, his physical resemblance is the reason that people call him that. Um, but he is, normally, very, very, very inconsistent. Um, and indeed, Huracan are normally very, very, very inconsistent. They have been like that for the last two years, pretty much now. Um, this year much, much less inconsistent because the standings in Orakam's group, which is group two, uh, they are, we've mentioned, of course, Godoy Cruz and Lanús already, but Orakam are fourth um, and only two points behind Estudiantes and Atletico Tucumán who are tied for, um, for second. Godoy Cruz and Central, of course, are in, Godoy Cruz are in, in group one. Um, I was getting confused. Lanús are first of group two on 22 points, so with, with some comfort there, but Estudiantes and Atletico Tucumán both have 19 and Oracan have 17. Uh, they also got a very good win, particularly good in the second half, uh, 4-2 uh, at home, sorry, not away, to Sporting Cristal uh, in the Copa Libertadores on Tuesday evening, 2-2 uh, at half-time, but in the second half, Oracan uh, tightened up fantastically, and Abilo got two goals and one assist, I think it was, wasn't it? Yes. Um, so he's having a very, very good, good year indeed. Today again, it was mentioned that uh, he's mentioned already as a Boca uh, bo- for the Libertadores. Yes. Uh, this is in case Ovaldo has to be uh, operated. operated and I just operated. read on, on Sam's feed; he's not going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've been uh, confirming, but then it's been it confirmed in inverted commas by oh, various yeah, people over the media course, of about the last six hours. So until the club actually says something, who knows? Um, I wouldn't even trust it from Ole. Actually, I would especially not trust it from Ole, to be quite frank. But I think it was uh, retweeted by Ladosé Twitter quite recently, so that's about as trustworthy as you can get in yeah. terms of Boca news. I agree, um, yeah. So, there we go. We're going to take a break now uh, to refill glasses, or in my case, to just start with the glass that I poured for Andres before uh, remembering that he wasn't drinking this evening. Um, 
So we're going to refill glasses, we're going to recharge batteries, and we're going to come back and answer some listeners' questions. So don't go anywhere. We've only had a few, I think, this week. Um, we're hopefully going to have some listeners' uh, mystical predictions in a little while. We are indeed. Uh, but uh, I initially tweeted a few minutes ago, I'm realising that I hadn't recruited anybody for this week, so I tweeted just after we started recording, please, somebody tweet in your predictions, um, and you're going to be this week's mystic guest. And I've got no fewer than three replies asking for our email address. So some of you need to learn the meaning of the word tweet. Um, I did not say email, and you've been very, very naughty boys, all of you, so sort it out. But the first person who replied, and we'll find out who that is a little further up um, the notifications page, uh, will get the honour of being this week's mystery predictor, and um, if it's not you, then then please uh, feel free to to volunteer for week uh, 11 or 12, um, and I'll try and do it in a bit more, uh, with a bit more advance notice this week, when you're away for the... um, it's not a call address. Don't worry, if it is, then we can pause. Uh, it, when you're away for the weekend, that is to say, when I'm away for the weekend, I sort of rather lost track of it. Anyway, on with our questions. Roberto Rojas asks, um, is there a chance for Argentina to play World Cup qualifiers at other Buenos Aires stadia besides the Monumental, and which ones would work? The very short answer is no, because the Monumental is the only one that's approved by FIFA. Uh, if we're going to hypothesise that they could get other ones done, Belis Belis would probably work quite well, and would be but it's smaller a signature and, and on a bit of paper to get it approved. I think wouldn't it? Yeah, but I mean they're not playing at River because they 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 cite they they call the lack of support from the River fans against Ecuador from the Argentina fans in the River mm. Stadium. Yeah, let, let's make it distinct. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, but well, in a way, in a way, it is because it's it makes the point that it's not actually. They've not decided to not play at Rivers Stadium for for any stadium for reasons, structural yeah. reasons. Yeah. They specifically decided to play outside Capital Federal altogether and away from from Buenos Aires because they feel they get better support in the interior. Um, could be. But in Buenos Aires, in terms of the, the quality of the stadium, I guess they could play at, at they Racing. Did, they did um, play at uh, at Bocas Stadium. Uh, yeah, during the Super Classico against the Super Classico against Americas. Yes, yeah. against Brazil a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the the Estadio Único de Rada, but it's not Buenos Aires. It's sure. Yeah, but it's Buenos Aires province. Yeah, so yes. it works. Uh, Racing would be, I guess, capacity wise and uh, ease of getting to wise at least would be okay. Ease of getting home from Racing if you live in Capital Federal is is a bit of a nightmare at times. Um, yeah, that but no, not, no chance. I mean, the, the shutdown. But elsewhere, was, yeah, and yeah, as we say, there's there's no chance that it will actually happen. Uh, elsewhere in Argentina, just for hypothesis' sake, we've already Cordoba, 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 Mendoza, Central, San Juan, Rosario. I heard Segura mentioning well, it's Segura, but he mentioned Mendoza. Uh, I suppose mm. Santa Fe, maybe the the Colón Stadium was a venue at the Copa America. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you look at the, the the venues for the 2011 Copa America, Santa maybe. Still it's, it's just something. To... The, the Cologne stadium is a very dodgy area. I mean, 
it's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. for fans to uh, to go there. Yeah, but this Alpha doesn't care for fans, so yeah. <laughs> I apologize for the tooting horns in the background. It feels like uh, one of our uh, wonderful neighbours who's driving home decided to give his own opinion on Cologne Stadium as well, as Ramy was mentioning it. Uh, Bob Waite asks, when is the next season due to start? To which I've already replied on Twitter, we're only halfway through the current one, but just to... Uh, answer his question anyway the the seasons in Argentina normally begin on the first full weekend of August um, and then whenever the winter break ends that's normally the first full weekend of February so if you're planning a trip which is what he explains is the case um, then yeah as long as you make sure that you're coming kind of mid-August onwards and avoid the international breaks which are already up on FIFA's website if you need to check the dates of those um, then you should have some football to see yeah no elections going on either that's also uh, yes, a yeah, there are no elections yeah. this week, uh, this year, fortunately. Um, and Bob also says, are there any developments on away fans and out to games? Which feels like it's a question we get asked every week now. The answer is no. Uh, there are no developments. <laughs> well, uh, Banfield and Lanús uh, presidents uh, did talk to the media about uh, uh, hosting both of their classics with away fans. Uh, oh, really? They did talk about it in the media. I'm confident it won't happen. Mm. But, I mean, that's a new development, I'd say. Carlos Palacios has a question which I think we should probably um, direct to Fede, uh, saying, what is your personal opinion on the current situation that Boca have with their forwards? Well, we're missing a number nine. That's <laughs> my personal, I think, all our, all our opinions. I mean, uh, we don't have a substitute number nine. Uh, I, I don't think we have a problem with forwards other than that. I mean, I think our wingers are okay. Tevis is world class. So when and if Osvaldo comes back to full fitness, we should be okay. The goal that Lodeiro scored the other day, even when with Rafaela defending, which was poor, was in the box, in the mm-hmm. small box. So uh, yeah. perhaps improving with uh, trying to uh, try with him as more more ahead with it. Yeah, arguing both sides. I mean, there are a lot of teams uh, worldwide that play without a classic on number nine and had had success with that. But then Boca has always had like a strong presence in the area, at least the, the, the successful Boca teams. And it is something we're missing right now. But uh, it's a short-term problem, I'd say. If Osvaldo comes back, we should be covered for that. Okay, Carlos also asks, do you think the Argentine national team is fair to Argentine league players? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. struggle to think who, for instance, in the last squad should have been called up but wasn't. Or the other I mean, way around. Everybody here will say, oh, Marco Ruben should be called up for centre forward. But I mean, mm-hmm. there are several rather strong options in Argentina's attack for centre forward. Yeah, and I, I can't think of anyone that was called up and maybe he shouldn't have. So, yeah, yeah it's fair. Uh, Carlos also finally asks, what are your thoughts on possible Argentine Olympic team squad? That is a good question. Um, it's going to obviously consist of a load more young players. It's not going to have Lionel Messi in it. That's it's ridiculous. It's going to be the first tournament um, since the 2004 Olympics, I think, that Lionel Messi doesn't play in. Ridiculous. Uh, why, why ridiculous, Fede? He's the best player in the world. How, how, why are you going to call him up? Because, because Barcelona aren't obliged to release him for both the Copa America yeah, and the Olympics. There must be some arrangement that they, it's or, also, Copa America or Olympics. And the other thing is, I think it does make sense to use the Copa America as kind of a proving ground for what's going to happen to the national team in the next five to ten years. And in the next five to ten years, 
they're going to have to face up to the fact that Messi's not going to be part of it anymore. Yeah, but that's that's problem for the next next the next coach or the, the other one. I mean, he's the best player in the world right now. I mean, if Barcelona is not obliged to like to release him, okay, that's another problem. But put the pressure on them. I mean, just call him up, and when Barcelona refuses, let them handle that pressure, and then okay, call another one. But mm-hmm. if you could choose, would you rather have Messi during the Copa America or during the Olympic tournament? I'm not so sure about that. That, that that's a different discussion. I mean, but uh, I, I think it's make, it makes sense to call him up and then and put the pressure on Barcelona. I, I, I think it makes sense to, to think for the future. And and obviously, you you just raised sort of inadvertently raised an interesting point, which is is, is the the national team manager's main job to just get the results for himself or to also help to plan. No, I, for I, obviously he has to plan ahead. But I think Messi is going to play in the in the national squad for the foreseeable future. I wouldn't be surprised to see him eight years from now. Not really? at all. I wouldn't. Be so you don't think he's just? You think he's got more than one World Cup left in him? Maybe. Why not? Okay. I mean, he's what twenty in now. Oh, I don't necessarily. I don't disagree yeah. with you, but it's uh, it's an interesting. Um, it's not the, it's the first time I've heard somebody actually sort of put that argument out there that he might be playing in Quata. Uh yeah. Why not? I okay. mean, it's obviously not not a a given, but he he obviously has the, the skills, and I think he has a, he's. He's continuing to to adapt his game to well, be depend, less I physical think, every year. Will so depend when the, the the month of the year in which will be played because if he's in June, the hot will be extreme and thirty four years for Messi. We will in in Quata, you mean? In, yeah. In um, aside from from whether Messi's involved or not, I quite like the thought of seeing a team which is uh, apparently uh, there was an, an Anacion article about it a few days ago. Um, Going to include players like Luciano Vieto, uh, Angel Correa, Paulo Dybala. All of these players are going to get much more of a look in, and they're actually going to become, you know, they're going to be key players, isn't it? Because of the the uh, the age um, restrictions on the Olympic tournament, and also Mamana, for instance, is is going to be one of the central centre backs rather than possibly being called up as a backup. Uh, which are going to be the three friendlies. over twenty three? I think Ruli is is one of them, and the other two. Yeah, uh, they were talking guesses? about Rooney. Um, according to this La Nacion article, it was Rooney, uh, Funet Mori. Really? And. Who was the other one? I can't remember. Funet um, Mori, I mean, he's not in the, in the, in the absolute squad and he's going to be called up for this. Kind of French. Ramiro Funet Mori. Yeah, I know. But I don't know, it's French. No, I think he's a fixture now in the full squad, at least. Is he? Uh, in, the, in the absolute squad? It's, it's, it's not as if you've got a whole load of different centre-backs no, no, so obviously, obviously at a very high level against him. That's, that's the no, main no, reason. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see, but obviously closer to the time when we've got a much better idea of what, of what that score will be like, I think we'll probably devote more time to it. Because so there's going to be no overlap between the two squads, you'd say? The Copa America Very squad. little. I, I think the, what La Nacion at least were expecting is that Funef Mori is going to be the only player who's in both squads. Okay, then that's... I don't know. Yeah, certainly on the, on the face of it, that thing on its own uh, is, uh, it's is interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, anyway, right, let's have a look now. I think that's all the questions that we've had. Yes, it is, which means that we've got to go with Mr. Numbers Predictions, uh, which is tweeted in. So don't go anywhere. When we come back after this next short little musical interlude, we will have Mystic Mr. Numbers um, predicting the tenth round of Torneo. What's the word for it? Transition. No, no transition and the it's Action called Energy. The Cop- Copper Action Energy. Yeah. Um, uh, action. If you, if you are from 
Axion Energy and he would like to bung us a few pesos for that piece of uh, inadvertent uh, publicity, please do, even though we think oil is a horrible thing. Okay, Mystic Mr. Numbers is going for the following predictions for this weekend. For Colón against Patronato on Friday evening, he's going for a Colón victory. Also on Friday evening, we have Godoy Cruz versus San Lorenzo, and for that, he's going for a draw. He says that Huracán will beat San Martín de San Juan. Rosario Central will beat Vélez Sarsfield. Defensa Justicia will get a home win over Tempele. River will get a home win over Sarmiento. Independiente will get a home win over Olimpo. He's going for a lot of home wins this weekend. Uh, Banfield in the Clásico will get a draw at home to Lanús on Sunday. Aldo City to draw with Racing and Argentinos Juniors to draw with Newell's Old Boys, which suggests that he thinks even less of Newell's Old Boys than uh, Remy and I discovered their fans do at the moment in, in Rosario at the weekend. Um, Belgrano versus Gimnasi is going for a home win. Tigre versus Boca Juniors is going for a Boca win. Quilmes versus Arsenal de Sarandí, Arsenal to win. Uh, Atletico de Rafaela against Union is a nailed on Union victory, I think we can all agree there. And Estudiantes versus Atletico Tucumán, the last game of the weekend, weekend in inverted commas on Monday night, uh, is going to be an Estudiantes victory. What do we think of those? Sounds logical. They always sound logical. Yeah, they That's never happen. Last week, uh, Chris got 9 out of 15, which wow. was a very, right. very good effort. It's, it's not quite the best, but it was certainly almost up not there. the best, with, uh, really. Tom, Tom got 10 out of 15 a few weeks ago. Wow, I missed that. remarkable. Um, so, well done, Chris. It, that's what Chris tweeted, anyway, a couple of days ago, so I'm, I'm going to take it off face value, because I can't be bothered to count them all up right now, but I will do um, for the blog post beforehand, so uh, if it turns out to have been wrong, then check the blog post and you'll I see Chris's score. I wouldn't be happy if I get 15 out of 15, because if you haven't played the Pro Day or Lotto, yeah. and you, they did the Mystic Sam's election six. Then you've lost out on a lot of money. Um, but Mr. Numbers is, is confident with these predictions for now, so we'll see what happens. Um, and on that note, I think that it's time to say goodbye because it's 20 past 7 already and uh, we need to get off for the River Plate game. And I need to go down and buy some water because apparently we've had our water cut off, we discovered, during this recording, so that's very nice to go with the gas as well that we also don't have. Um, hopefully this is only temporary. Anyway, River Plate play the strongest in 10 minutes' time and then, as Andres says, in 2 hours and 25 minutes, uh, Rosario Central are... Uh, home to Palmeiras, yes. aren't they? They're at home. Um, so I will come back after this uh, end theme music to tell you the scores of both of those matches. Other than that, thank you very much for joining us, dear listeners, and it's thank you and good night from Remy. Good night. This is where you say goodbye. Almost seriously. Thank you, goodbye. <laughs> from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, goodbye. With the scores from the evening, uh, River Plate managed to uh, put some of their demons of this year so far behind them with a convincing 6-0 win over the strongest. Uh, and Dresd Alessandro also played very well. So basically you can ignore the first 20 minutes of discussion on this week's episode 
Uh, it's all very out of date now. And then in the later match, Rosario Central drew 3-3 with Palmeiras in a thriller. What that means is that with two games to go in Group 1, River Plate are top with eight points, the strongest second with seven. San Paulo third with five points and Trujillanos are bottom. Uh, River's upcoming games in that group are away to San Paulo and at home to Trujillanos. And in Group 2, which is Central's group, Nacional are still top. Uh, No, sorry, Nacional and Central both have eight points, I think. Palmeiras have five. River Plate of Uruguay have two. Nacional play River Plate of Uruguay tomorrow, and then there's only one round of matches left. Those are Nacional v. Nacional v. Central and uh, Palmeiras versus River Plate. So Central almost definitely through, but could still be caught by Palmeiras if they lose to Nacional and, Nas- and Palmeiras beat River.